Welcome to Faith Baptist Church, Great Village, where we believe in the truth of the gospel, building of community, and engaging in the mission of Christ. We hope you enjoy this week's message as our pastors share from God's Word. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Alex White, and I am one of the pastors here on staff. I am the youth and family pastor, and it is my privilege to bring you uh, the message today. So... I'm going to let you in on a little secret. When we were planning this, um, so all the, all the preaching schedule, when we were planning the preaching schedule, I saw that on August 26th, the last two chapters um, of the Bible was free because we follow the Gospel Project curriculum. And so what we're learning here today is what the kids are learning upstairs. So most of us know that. And I saw, okay, the 26 was free, and it had to do with the return of the king. That was the title of the kids' curriculum message, uh, the return of the king. And I was excited. I was thinking that, oh, man, this would be a great topic to preach. Uh, I'd be sharing with you all of God's promises, I would, it would, what stuff that's going to come true, and what he has to offer us. And I also wanted to challenge myself because I knew the book of Revelation was a tough one. So I wanted to come up with a well-rounded sermon. So I volunteered for it. And let me tell you, right after, I pretty well regretted it. Because <laughs> I, 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 I thought of the magnitude after of the book of Revelation. All the imagery that it pulls in. Like Andy said last week, like this winged beast with eyes everywhere. Like It was stuff that we scratch our head over. You can imagine what John was thinking when he was writing it. Um, so it doesn't really make sense to us sometimes. And um, not to mention the look on Doug and Steve's face when I said I'd do it. It wasn't really encouraging. <laughs> Didn't help my regret any. But however, um, it definitely challenged and grew my thought process. I studied like I'd never studied before. Um, my, my thoughts became deeper. Uh, some of the songs that were sung today, uh, now I get to see the idea behind the lyrics. And it really allows me to go in a deeper sense of worship because I'm getting it. I'm getting where they're going with it. But you don't often go to the book of Revelations for a good read or your nighttime stories. It turns into more of a head scratcher and nightmares. Because you're, again, the winged beast with eyes everywhere. That, that is one of the things that you see in nightmares. Um... Another thing that wasn't considered is today we have a baptism. We didn't plan on a baptism being on August 26th. Normally that happened in September in the frigid ice waters. But today it's in August. We're thankful for that. And we have two people deciding to make a public profession of faith. Um, and I like the way God works because this message is actually really fitting for that. Because we're going to be focusing on the foundations of our faith and what uh, we're going to be doing while we wait for his return and those prophecies to come true. So will you join me one more time in prayer, and then we're going to dive in. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your promises. We thank you that um, you sent your son for us so that we may have life, and we may have a relationship through your son so that we may have life. And God, I just pray that the, uh, the, the thoughts that you have given me, I'm able to clearly articulate so that, God, your promises can be known and known well. So, Heavenly Father, we just uh, 
pray that my words be your words and uh, you open the hearts and the minds of those who are listening. And Father God, we just thank you for everything that you do. In your name we pray, amen. So I wanted to investigate baptism a little further because that is going to help us figure out our foundation of this message. So it's publicly professing that we believe in Jesus. We believe that he walked on this earth, that he was fully man and fully God, and when he was here on earth, he healed, he taught, he fed the hungry, and he raised the dead. Jesus went against the grain of the chief priests and the elders, so much so that he was beaten and killed for it because he was speaking the truth and the truth that his father gave him. But this was all prophesied and Jesus knew that. Jesus knew the sacrifice he needed to make. He needed to make that sacrifice for us because he was the perfect one. And he needed to do that so he would defeat sin and death in this world. After Jesus' death on the cross, he was placed in a tomb where he was raised from the dead. Jesus, Jesus defeated sin, defeated death, and was setting up for the final kingdom to come. This is so amazing. Jesus did all of this for us so that we can have life with him in his father's kingdom. So as you come to believe and know what, uh, that Jesus is your savior, baptism is the next step. It's publicly professing that I believe this. I believe what is in here is true. So let's start from the beginning. If you want to know where you are, you need to know where you came from. So I'm going to hold off on that key Bible text in Revelation just for a minute. I'm going to go all the way back to Genesis 1. So if you want to follow along with me, you can open your Bibles there. And I'll be reading out of ESV, as it says on the screen. And if you don't have a Bible, you can follow on the screen behind me. And it says in Genesis 1, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. There was nothing there. It was void. And darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So in the beginning God created everything. There was nothing. He created the ground we walk on, the air we breathe, the water we swim in. He did it all. As we continue to read through the book of Genesis, it says that he created all vegetation, trees. He also created everything living um, on land, in the air, and in the sea. And once he did that, he knew he wasn't finished yet. So let's look at verse 26, and it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them do have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God gave us dominion. He gave us dominion over everything, we were set to rule with God's authority over the earth. We were to take care of God's creation. That is why he created man. He created someone to look after his creation for him. So we're going to continue in verse 27, and it says, So God created man in his own image. The image of God, he created him. 
Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the, fish of the seas and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I give you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit, you shall have them for food. And every beast of the earth and every bird in the heavens and everything that creeps on the earth and everything that breathes the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he made and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. So it was good. It was really good. He made a really good creation. But what happened to this creation? Why did we need saving from it? Because it was so good. It said it in the scripture. It was so good. Why does the world look like it does today? We are going to look into Genesis a little further to figure that out, but... First, let me be clear. A lot of preachers blame Eve for the fall of man or the serpent. I, I got to blame Adam on this one, guys. I'm sorry. And, and you may be thinking something else, but I'm going to give you my spin on it. And let's look into Genesis chapter 2, verse 15 and on. And it says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat every tree in the garden, but... Of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You shall not eat for the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. Okay, that's, this man's getting all the instructions. He's like, okay, God, good, good. I got it. Thank you. Thank you. Don't touch the tree. Good. Okay. And then, continuing on, it says, Then the Lord God said, It's not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper for him. So, see, ladies, you weren't around to get the message. I'm just saying, it's not Eve's fault. She wasn't even around. Adam was the one that got the message. He just, like every other man, probably got the message wrong, and he was the first guy, so he didn't have anybody to learn from, so he didn't say, write down the important things. So, ladies, our bad. We're sorry. We're sorry. So all joking set aside, let's continue on. We're going to skip ahead after verse 18. God created woman out of man's rib, and they were set in the garden, and they were going to, here we are going to pick up in chapter 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Come on. And... The woman said to the serpent, we may eat of, eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will surely not die. Come on. For God knows what you eat. When you eat it, your eyes will be opened. And you will be like God, knowing all good and evil. So the woman saw the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes. See, sin is delightful. Sin is easy. It looks good because it is easy. So you could imagine, why wouldn't you have a piece of the fruit? It looked good. 
It probably tasted good too. So let's, let's have a try together. So continuing in verse 6, it said, And that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and ate. Then the eyes of both were opened and they sewed, and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Here we are now seeing Adam and Eve in their sin. And they are ushering in death into the world. And here comes God, knowing they sin, sounding like a scolding father. What is this you have done? I created something so perfect for you, you messed it up. And like all good children, Eve diverted the blame to someone else. It wasn't me. It was a serpent. He told me to do it. So, but hallelujah, God had a plan. If you were taking notes and you like highlighting in your Bible, uh, I, I highly suggest highlighting this, this passage here. It's Genesis 3, 14 to 15. And here's what it says. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock, above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity, I had to say that word 20 times just to try and get it out, between you and the woman. It's kind of like aluminum. Some people just can't say it. Um, like you and the woman, and between your offspring and, their, and, her, and of her offspring, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This is actually the first prophecy. This is something Peggy taught me long ago. And I still remember it because Peggy's a really good teacher. She is an awesome teacher, and I'm thankful for her because I've never forgot that. I actually wrote it down because she told me to write it down. So I'm telling you all to write it down. <laughs> this is the first prophecy that was given in the Bible. This is directing you to Jesus. So right away in the Bible, you're being directed to Jesus. Jesus is coming. We have victory on the cross, where his feet and hands were scarred. But further on in Revelation, we read of the eventual defeat of Satan and restoring of Eden once again. So at this point, there's, there's no death in the world because there was no need of death. That was the plan of Eden, was a death-free world. It says in verse 22, now, lest he reached out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. So, lest meant he, if he did not. If he did not eat that, Adam would have been living forever. There would have been a death-free world. But he did it too. We were meant to live forever. No pain, no suffering, no sickness, no death. But God had mercy on the first man and woman, sparing their lives, but still punishing them by removing them from the garden. Now we know where sin entered into the world, but from there, sin also multiplied. And we had consequences for that. And I have a quote from the Gospel Project curriculum this week, and I really want to share it with you. And it said, the consequences were brokenness. Broken relationships between humanity 
and the rest of creation. Broken relationships between each other, and worst of all, broken relationships with God. Only through a perfect man, the Messiah, could the image of God be, and the image of God and the brokenness of humanity be redeemed and restored. The Messiah King will one day rule over the earth as Adam and Eve were supposed to. God has been on mission ever since to restore what was lost in the garden. This is what he promised Adam and Eve after Adam and Eve fell. And it is what we have seen through the Old Testament and into the New. We see humanity screwed up time and time and time again, so much so that he had to wipe the slate clean with Noah in the flood and start over again. And we still screwed it up. With humanity, sin is inevitable. It's going to happen. What we can count on, what we can count on, I want to be clear, we can count on, is God's goodness and his grace. His goodness and grace were foretold in the Old Testament multiple times with the coming Messiah. We're going to look at uh, Zechariah 9. And it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation, he is humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. This is the prediction of Jesus coming into Jerusalem and the crowd shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Son of David is here. And it says in verse 10, I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem and the battle bow shall be cut off and he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from the sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. So here you see the prediction. It sounds like when Jesus is here, they are thinking the war is done. He is setting up his kingdom then and there. That's what it's sounding like. But they didn't get this was only part two of the story. We are still in part two. We are waiting for part three to come and that's Jesus coming again. On verse 14, it says, Then the Lord will appear over them, and his arrows will go forth like lightning. The Lord God will sound the trumpet and will march forth in the whirlwinds of the south. The Lord God, the Lord of hosts will protect them, and they shall devour and tread down the sling stones. They shall drink and roar as if drunk with wine, but be filled like a bowl drenched like the corners of the altar. Again, going back in, or going ahead into the book of Revelation, Andy spoke about the trumpet sounding and the bowls of God's wrath and being poured out on the earth and all foreshadowing Jesus' second coming. But a lot of the New Testament followers, so like his disciples, his New Testament followers, um, would believe that Jesus was coming to, to do this the first time. There was no again. This was the first time. He's coming in. He's going to set it up. And on that day, verse 16, the Lord their God will save them as the flock of his people. 
For like the jewels of the crown, they shall shine on his land. For how great is his goodness, and how great is his beauty. Grain shall be the young men flourish, and new wine the young women. So here we are predicting all things, all the things coming in the New Testament, seeing how God's people are patiently waiting and serving him. Little did they know that Jesus was step one of the master plan of restoration. He was step one to restore Eden. Because if you look in Mark 8, 31 to 33, it said, now this is Jesus' teaching. He began to teach them the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days again, rise again. He said this plainly. So you can imagine Jesus' words. Sorry guys, but here's the plan. I have to die. And I have to die so that I can save you. He said this very clearly, very plainly. There was no parables to mix up what he's trying to say. They didn't have to decipher what he was trying to say. It was very plainly said. And you can understand here in a second what his disciples were thinking. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Peter's brave, I can tell you that. Rebuking Jesus. Okay, you go Peter. Um, But turning uh, and seeing the disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Now, Jesus wasn't calling Peter Satan. It was just his mindset. It was just a mindset. So we can't blame Peter here. You can only imagine what was running through Peter's mind. He was thinking, no, you're here. We're setting up your kingdom. Like, this is, we're going to take Rome out of power. You're going to be in power. It's, everything's going to be great. But Jesus was not here forever. He was setting up for the kingdom to come. This was not what his disciples had in mind at all. Because if you go through the Old Testament, in like Isaiah, Micah, Zechariah, they all predict the Messiah coming and setting up his kingdom here on earth. They were hoping that, that, that the Messiah never had to leave to make that happen. Most of us know that Jesus is, is coming here was part one of the restoration of Eden and he needed to restore our relationship with his father by being the ultimate sacrifice on the cross. He did so that the relationship that was broken in Eden could be restored. And now we are here helping to usher in Jesus' second coming. So let's look at the key passage for today. It was a long road to get here, but I felt a lot of this needed to be explained. Um, anybody that was here that did not know where we're going, this would have been a confusing, confusing passage. So Revelation 21, verse 1 to 5, it says, Then I saw new heaven and new earth. Here we have the angel showing John this vision. So just remember that. John is being shown a vision. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. They were defeated. The sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down 
out of heaven from God, preparing his bride, adorned for her husband. How beautiful. Adorned for her husband. A beautiful bride coming down. Think of that imagery for a second. All those who are married and you saw your wife for the first time. How many was a blubbering idiot? <laughs> ask, ask Steve. He was there. Um, it was so beautiful to watch your wife walk down the aisle for the first time. Done up in a, her beautiful white dress. So you can imagine what that's going to be like. Your bride coming down, adorned. Like the, how beautiful this is going to be when it comes down and new heaven and new earth comes in. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. That is a very key point. These words are trustworthy and true. You can bank on that. What a day that will be when Jesus comes again. Death and pain will be no more. Sickness will be gone. Mourning will be gone. Now we can see the renewal of life lived in the light what that will look like. Just to be clear, there are, I, I just want to be clear on here because I am getting into the point of Jesus' return. There are actually a few different schools of thought on how this actually is going to look like, and I'm going to actually focus on the one because I could totally go on a rabbit trail and tell you like three different ones or two different ones, but I'm going to focus on one. And uh, it's because it's a whole subject on its own. I, I had to do it in school, and it, it's a lot of work, a lot of studying. But uh, I personally believe in the literal sequence of events. So this is what we're going to be focusing on, is Jesus' return, the thousand-year reign kingdom, and final judgment. That is, that is the literal sequence of events. And so that, I would be considered a premillennialist. And, and that's, that's what I uh, will be speaking on today. And if... You want to know more about the few other options? There are some pretty wise minds here that have studied these, and uh, you can talk to myself or Steve. Um, I know of other people in this congregation that would know a lot about it, but I'm not going to dwell on it today. But I just want you to kind of get in your mind where we're going. So let's continue on in Revelation 21, 6 to 8, and it says, um, And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give you, I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. And some of the songs we're singing today, that lyric actually became clear. That's where, the, like I said, when you start studying this stuff and you see where some of these lyrics come from, you can worship deeper. That lyric in the songs today came very clear to me. 
So to the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. It is free. Imagine that. The one who conquers will have this heritage and I will be his God and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers and the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. So, what you are do? What are you doing while we wait? What are we? What are you doing while you wait for this? Is this going to be? Is this going to be the new heaven and new earth? A reckon, uh, a res- restoration of creation that is healed for all pain and suffering in, of human history? Yeah, of course it is. All pain and suffering of human history will be wiped away. It is the new Garden of Eden where all nations will be gathered together under God, serving him as one body. So what are you doing to prepare for this? What are you doing to prepare for this? Are you going to serve him? Are you going to love him? By him I mean God. Are you going to honor him? Or are you going to waste your time here, worried about what people think, and worried about what the person might think of what you're going to say or how you're going to act, or this isn't my job, um, I'm not equipped for it. Newsflash, it's everyone's job. No matter the circumstance, we have been given hope through Jesus that this is what we are fighting for. We are helping make the way. I don't know about you, but when it's all said and done, I want to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Why do we have hope? Why do we have faith? Why do we have joy? Why do we possess all these things when we are in the face of tragedy or adversity? Because of the promises that were given in the Bible. All these promises. We were promised that we would be taken care of in heaven. If we honor God with our lives here on earth. We believe that we will have life that far exceeds this one. I want to share something personal with you right now. A lot of us know, but for those of you who don't, most of us know Susan, Susan Taylor, and uh, her husband Jason, or what they're going through. Um, But for those of you who don't, uh, many years ago, Susan actually used to attend this church. And... um, her and her family were in a very serious car accident and Susan was really the only one that was seriously injured. And she's now currently in the ICU with some very serious um, head injuries. And most of us have been praying for her since this happened. And we can feel God through that. Uh, We can feel God moving through this whole situation. The really amazing part is literally there are thousands of people watching and waiting for God. Last time I checked, there was 900 people sharing the, the posts, over 1,200 people commenting. 
thousands of people are watching this. Watching and waiting to see God do something. There are people who know the situation that go to work that are now impacting their coworkers because their coworkers know Susan through something or from when she worked at the mall or other things like that. So now we have an opportunity to be sharing our Savior with people in the workforce because of this tragedy. Some of you are personally, who personally know and are following Jason uh, in this moment, you know that he is actually ministering in this moment. In his moment of grief and pain, he is ministering to those around him. He is not wasting his moment. He is in grief over his tragedy, and he's supporting those who are grieving in their tragedy and serving God through his pain. He's not wasting what God has given him. Jason could have respectively crept into a hole of pity and sorrow. But instead, he's fighting with him. We are fighting with him. We are praying that God is going to do something and going to move in that place. So I'm going to ask the band to come back up. Because uh, there, was a, there was a really great song that, that I want to share with you guys. And um, I want to encourage you all right now to, if there's, if there's something that is aching your heart and there's a tragedy, I want you to bring it and serve God while you wait. I want you to reach out to God and give God his glory. But I mean, hallelujah, there's, there's some good news in this. I mean, Carisha's here with us. So, I want to give him praise today. I want to give him praise for the things that he's doing, the things that he's yet to do. I'm going to allow the band to, to lead us out in this song, and I just want to encourage you all just to either bring and focus in on him, the, the things that are, are paining you or in tragedy, or the things that you have glory to give to God. And I mean, give it all to him. Give him all the glory right now. Because God is good. And God is going to come through. And God has promises that he is yet to fulfill. And I want to allow him to give us this power to help us usher in the new kingdom. Help us be the ones to usher in this new kingdom while we're waiting for him to come. So I'm going to let the band just play. And I'm going to finish up when they're, when they're done. So I'm going to be coming back up and given a little more. So I'm going to finish off with Revelation 22, 7, 17, and it said, And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the word of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down and to worship the feet of the angel who showed me them to me. He said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you 
and your brothers, the prophets, and to all those to keep the word of this book. Worship God. And he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoer still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and the sorcerers and the sexual immoral and the murderers and the idolaters. Everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star, the spirit and the bride. Say, come. And let one who hears say, come. And let the one who thirsts come. And let the one who desires to take the water of life As we sang the song, I just wanted to challenge us. I really did. I really felt like challenging us on this. And it would be a dangerous prayer because when this is all said and done, that we've been praying so hard for Susan. You've been praying so hard for, for Doug and Glenda through their tragedy. We've been praying so hard, tragedy after tragedy after tragedy, that when this is all done, things are done, are we still going to have the heart to pray? Are we still going to have the heart to search you, God, and give you everything that you desire? So I'm going to ask you guys to pray with me in a second. A real, real dangerous prayer. What do I mean by that? I want to ask for God's heart. And I want to ask just for a portion of it. Because God knows we can't take it all. I just want to ask for a portion of his eyes. To see those broken. Give him, give him, give me his heart. Just a portion of it. Because we can't take it all. You could not take it. You couldn't handle it. And God mourns for his bride. God mourns and says, Give me my bride back. Give him back to me. Give her back to me. sent his son he even sent his son for us so what are you going to do while we wait are you going to be living a life honoring the God in heaven or would you rather a temporary comfort instead of eternal glory so will you pray with me right now I'm going to us to have that dangerous prayer. Heavenly Father, I just pray that you give us just a portion of your heart and a portion of your eyes, God, that we may see 
what breaks your heart, God. While we wait for your son to return again and set up his kingdom here, God, I pray that you give us a portion so that we can be servants of yours to usher in this new kingdom, this beautiful bride adorned with your glory and your light because it's said in the scriptures that there will be no darkness because you are there. There will be no hurt because you are there. There will be no pain because you are there. You will wipe away every tear. And Heavenly Father, we just pray that your glory be with us. And that we're able to us help you usher in this new kingdom. And we pray all these things in your Son's precious and holy name. Amen.